Cool guys, welcome to the very, 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 very first episode of Creatives on Business, where I chat to some of the creative people in the whole wide world, musicians, photographers, designers, and we just discover a little bit about what they do, how they do it, how they make money from doing it, and how you can do the same. Now, this next post I have to, I have to read because I wrote this down very specifically for our guest today. He is our number one. He is the very first person on the podcast today. So some say his Instagram brings all the boys to the yard. Others say he's Mzanzi's sexiest white man, Carl Thunder Welcome to the show. Thank you, dude. Wow, what a privilege. How's that intro? I think you should do an intro for my podcast like that. Wow. Um, I was, I was, I've been writing down uh, like intros for the people I'm going to be introducing, and it gets harder and harder as you like don't know the people, so I don't know if I'm going to carry on doing this, but uh, for the first few, it'll definitely be there. So um, yeah, dude, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It's actually, uh, you got me into this whole podcasting thing here yeah, with, with Vodcast TV. Uh, there's, a, there's a nice little shout out there to Vodcast TV. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for putting me onto your podcast. I oh, appreciate thank you, it. Dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think, um, <coughs> you know, we were pretty successful. I loved our podcast that we did. And we spoke about so many good, relevant things. And I'm actually loving the idea of behind what you're doing for the podcast. I think there's so many people out there who have this desire to do something they love. They just don't know how to do it. So yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. It's the, the, as I said to you just now, the, before, we, before we were on air, is the, the whole idea behind this podcast, Creatives on Business, is exactly that. There's so much information around how to take a better photograph, how to play music better graph, like to, to, to play music better or to take better photographs, whatever. There's not a lot of stuff about how to make a business and how to make a living from doing that kind of thing. So that's, that's what we're going to be looking to tackle today. So, Carl, for those who don't know you, uh, who are you? What do you do? Um, give the people a little bit of information and insight into your life. So, uh, firstly, you can follow me on Instagram at... Just shameless, joking. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> just joking. Uh, my name is Carl van Escape. I am 30 years old and I've been doing this for about six to seven years now, full time. What have you been doing, Carl? Uh, photography. There we go. Right. There we go. So yeah, I've uh, been doing photography, now recently jumped into videography and content creation, social media management, things like that. Um, I used to do graphic design, absolutely hated it. Also loved the idea of working for myself. One day got retrenched and eventually decided I'm going to give myself a year to see what exactly this can do for me. And seven years later, I'm still trying to see what this thing can do for me. <laughs> so yeah, so that's about it. Um, I do corporate work, commercial work, portraits, specialize in weddings. That's where my main income is. Uh, basically generated and yeah, absolutely love it. Every single bit of it. That's amazing. Cool. Podcast is done. Right, we're finished. Great. Woo. Thanks, Carl. Yes. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> this is no. almost as easy as my job. <laughs> Just get paid for nothing. Dude, it's, it's actually, I was, I remember that I attended a, a talk of yours um, at the oh, yeah, Coke, I remember. Coke Dome or what yeah. are they called now? The Photo Dome or whatever it is. Um, photo Plus Dome. I don't know what it was called, yeah. but it was the Photo Film Expo. Ticket Pro Dome. Now. Ticket Pro Dome. There we go. That's yeah. the one. And it was uh, the Photo Film Expo a couple of years. It must have been like five, six years ago. I attended yeah, I think a talk 2016 or so. Yeah. And um, I remember that you came from a creative designer background yeah. and then went into the photography thing full time. I didn't realize that you were retrenched. I just found that out right now yeah. in this little yeah. intro of yours. Um, so that, that is quite hectic because I'm, for myself, you know, being an engineer by, by, by degree, I guess, 
there was always this thing of people like, oh, you know, there's so much stability in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you're never going to lose your job. And then until people get retrenched. So yeah. uh, that, that was just like, it's an interesting insight into your life there a little bit. So you went full time into photography six years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Hectic. So how did you... How did you start getting clients? Did you, like, I know for a lot of us, we go out, like for myself, I was actually chatting to another friend of mine yesterday, Anthony Churchyard, and I started off photographing bands and stuff, Yeah, and you would do it for free, and then you would go photograph friends with their metric dances and their deniers and that kind of stuff, and you would do it for free, because you're, you're just trying to build up, like, learn how to take photographs, like, yeah. become a better photographer and that kind of thing, and then someone's like, hey, man, like, how much do you charge to do this? And you're like, whoa, I can make money from, from actually taking photographs, this thing that I'm enjoying, and then it sort of, like, started to snowball there for, for me, but what, what was that initial process for you like? Because, obviously, you'd gone from a full-time job as a designer and being retrenched and now you're, you're trying to make a living from being a photographer. What was, what were those first like three months for you like? Um, I mean, you know, I'm always transparent with every single person that asks me anything with regards to this industry and it's, it's never easy. That's one thing I'll always say to every single person who does want to, you know, who aspires to run their own business or anything like that. And it was so stressful, man. Someone like myself, I had built a well-established career in the graphic design industry where I built myself up. I jumped from job to job to job, which is the only way these days that you get a decent salary increase. And eventually I was in a very comfortable situation where I wasn't saving my money. I was living a lavish lifestyle. And yeah, it just, it just happened to me. And whilst I, I had a job though, this is the thing that people don't understand is I was still doing photos mm. on the sideline. Yeah. And I was charging at the time. Whereas a lot of people these days, they're not, like you said, you start out, you don't charge. That's cool. Like I did that too until I got to a point where exactly like you, where somebody started saying, hey, how much will you charge? Then I started taking photos and I would start charging people a reasonable amount of money. Um, first three months were very stressful. Literally, I spent every single waking hour on Facebook, like texting people, being in these forums where people are looking for a photographer. Um, advertising, trying to learn as much as possible for Facebook marketing, Google AdWords, things like that. And yeah, I mean, for me, if I wasn't working, when I wasn't working, I was taking photos, but I was doing it very strategically. What I'd do is I'd go out and I'd find somebody who has a high value in terms of online presence or somebody who is influential on any sort of platform. And I'd offer them my services. I'd say, hey, I, I want to do this shoot. Here's the style, the mood board. Let's work on something together, create magic. And then hopefully just by photographing that one person, if I could just get one lead, that is all I was looking for. So would you say that your creative designer background influenced you a lot in how you like attack your job as if I could call it that way like you immediately mentioned now from the start you had mood boards and that kind of thing I know so many photographers who don't even know what a mood board is is that is that something that comes from your designer background yeah definitely I think um, coming from that industry you know most corporate world everything like that they want everything in pa on paper yeah. you know so before you do anything whether it's a website design anything they want to mock up so they want to be able to see what they're paying for so that was exactly how I took this exact mindset into the photography world, where if you're approaching somebody and you say, I want you to waste your time with me, I want to be able to show you what I want to create. Yeah. So that's why to me, a mood board is very important, styles, you know, outfits, everything like that, almost have the entire project already complete before the person says yes. So that to me, that just helped a lot in terms of getting the people to say yes. 
So then once you started getting a few people, you know, interested in Carl von started becoming Carl von who we all know and become like Insta famous and that kind of thing. Um, what, what happened next? Like what was the, what was the process? Cause did you go straight into weddings from there, straight into the corporate world or was it always the models? What, what was the next step from that? I think weddings saved me in a very big way because whilst I was working as a graphic designer, I started booking weddings part-time. And it kind of came as a blessing when I got retrenched because I was overworked, like crazy overworked. I was so close to being burnt out. Um, I, I was successful in a way that I was working a Monday to Friday, but I was working really far. So I would have to wake up 5.30 in the morning, head to work, sit in traffic, get to work at 8 o'clock, work until about 6, head home, sit in traffic again. Then you're doing CrossFit or you're training, get home, you shower, you start editing, go to bed at 2 o'clock, do it again. And this became a thing because when you start out, of course, you're not charging what you should be charging. So your bookings are actually coming in and you think, okay, cool, this is really great. So for me, I was almost burnt out. So the weddings really did save me in a way though, because when I did decide, or I didn't decide, but when I went into this full time, the weddings were still there in the bookings because everyone books in advance. So by then I had still had a couple clients who had to pay me for their weddings and things like that. And yeah, I think... With regards to the wedding side of things, that is something that I, I first went into. Like you mentioned now, you know, I'm well known for this or that. Um, weddings was the first thing and basically the only thing that I was doing at a time at that stage. Where I had one friend that asked me, actually begged me to do his wedding. I was like, no, I don't do this. I was very proud. I was like, I cannot provide whatever these guys are doing for wedding photography. I've never done it before. He asked me to do it. I did it. He enjoyed the photos and he was, he was raving and ranting on about how great they were. So I was like, okay, cool. Let me try again. Then another friend asked me. I gave them just a really good price. Then my cousin asked me. And eventually from those three, I just decided, look, let me try it and see where I get. So would you say that for most people starting out, like friends and family, you, you need the backing of friends and family to get started in, in some kind of creative industry? Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, you'll learn very, very quickly that your family and friends sometimes won't support you or bring whatever you require to the table in terms of you surviving. Um, yes, of course, you know, when people do think of you and a referral costs nothing. You know, if you hear somebody needs a photographer and you know a friend that's a photographer to say, hey, I know someone and link them up, that's really great. But I've experienced it throughout in my entire career where you see someone that was quite close to you they do a photo shoot for this or do a photo shoot for that and i don't get upset about it maybe they don't like my style so i can't expect them to be spending the money with me if they don't like my style or the way i take photos it's really funny that you mentioned something like that because myself being a photographer as well it's so often you, you you go on Facebook and you see someone that you were really close friends with two or three years ago, and they're do, they're doing a shoot with someone who you might you might consider to be competition. Yes, and you know, and like a couple of months go by, and you you meet up with them and you have coffee, and you're like, so you know, what's the vibe? I see you did a shoot with that, such such a person. They're like, yeah, I would really love to do a shoot with you, Kyle, but you're just doing all this amazing stuff with all these all these incredible brands. I just you. I just thought you would never want to do a shoot with me. Like that, that's yeah. always this perception. I don't know if you, have you had those kind of conversations with yeah, people? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I think I take it as a compliment always um, that you've built a brand to such an extent that people are, I wouldn't use the word afraid, but people are kind of hesitant to, you know, request your services or ask a favor or something like that. So yeah, I definitely get that now and again. Um, also, I have created this perception that I'm not cheap. 
It's, I say it in my bio, I'm not cheap. So, which I'm not expensive either. You know, I'm not yep. going to use like that. I'm not cheap and I'm not expensive. It's just, I say I'm not cheap to avoid anybody expecting me to be cheap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but I have definitely experienced that in the past where sometimes people just avoid using you purely because they think you're too busy or this isn't the type of concept you'd like to do or something like that. So, with you being a, a photographer full time, you mentioned just now that videography is something that you're starting to do a little bit more of. Have you seen the industry going more that way, or what is the what is your reason for going into video now? A hundred percent, the industry. Um, I I like to consider myself an early adapter. And video has been around for years. I mean, I'm pretty sure most of our parents have a video of their their wedding and so on. Um, But in terms of social media, marketing, things like that, definitely so many more companies want video rather than photos. And it's purely because of an engagement level. With video, you can entice people's emotions. You know, you can keep their attention longer because there's a really great song behind it or they see something within the video that, you know, just keeps them on that ad or whether it's an ad or some sort of brand awareness or anything like that, they just tend to stay around a lot longer with that. So when I started noticing that, and what I did notice was there was a lack of it within the South African market. Most of the top high-end industry guys who are doing videos, they're either in the, the high-end commercials, otherwise they're doing weddings. Yeah. There was very few who, um, you know, arts and about and well-known were doing social media for any sort of brand, you know, whether it's for guests or any sort of clothing company or local or international. Are companies and specifically the brands and things that you're looking to work for, are they, are they hiring specifically because of the things that you're doing in terms of that? I think for myself, I also, I like to always let everyone know. And like I said, I'm very transparent with that. My work isn't the best. I'm not the best within any industry. I'm just well networked and I'm well connected. And it's, you know, we all get brought up with that. It's who you know, it's who you know. And it really is. Um, When it comes down to getting a specific type of business, of course, you have to have a certain level of quality, but you don't need to be the best. You just need to be able to provide the trust and the, the assurance that you can deliver the product that the client wants. So a lot of my jobs have come down to walking up to somebody and introducing myself and saying, hey, this is what I do. What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Connect, get exchange numbers and so on. And that's how it goes. Um, for example, like for Fila South Africa, one of my biggest paying clients right now, um, and so loyal. I respect them so much because of that. It's not about, hey, Carl, what are you going to quote us for this? Okay, cool. We'll get back to you. We're going to ask five other photographers. You know, it's not a comparison industry with them. And as long as I deliver what they require, they stick around. And how I nailed or managed to get that job was literally a DM I sent Fila. And it was almost a year and a half ago. I literally sent them a DM. And I said, hey, guys, absolutely loving your feed right now. The content is really great. That was it. I expected nothing. I just... I noticed their brand their feed was really good they were using good photos which for most local companies they don't do that you know a lot of the guys they're either taking their brand ambassadors or the influencers who take cell phone pictures or poor quality images and they're using that as the marketing material whereas they were spending money on photographers to take the photos for them and i without any expectation of anything i just sent them a message and i said that and they obviously then had noticed my profile by receiving that message um, a day later, they said, we like what you do. Let's meet up. 
there's two things I want to touch on there with what you've just said. Um, the first being you said you, because obviously you're doing all this amazing work, and it really is like, I mean, I've seen your work, Kyle. Your work's, your work's great. And so you're doing all this really incredible work for, for a brand like Fila, um, which, is a, which is a very big brand in, in the greater scheme of things. You started working for them about a year, year and a half ago. You were a full-time photographer for how long before you before you got them as a client? Yeah, I mean, five years. Five years. Mm. So there's just the, I just I know for a lot of people starting out, they see someone like yourself or someone like myself working with big brand companies, and they're like, "That's what I want to do." They start off as a photographer; it's their very first year that they're starting, and they're like, "Why? Why has no one noticed me yet? Why are these big, amazing companies not?" contacting me kind of thing and the second thing that i want to touch on which is with reference to this point i've just made is that you initialized the conversation with fila you sent them a message on instagram saying hey really love your stuff it's it's amazing to see what you guys are doing right now and there was also there was no no expectation from your side to get anything from them yeah. um i remember so many people always ask me like, oh, you know, you do all this work for, for Porsche or Porsche, depending on who you are, how you say it. I literally hate that brand purely because <laughs> of that debate. You know that. It's one of my favorite cars and my goal to get that SUV, the Cayenne GTS. But I promise you that name, every time somebody says it, I, I cringe because I'm like, are they going to correct the next person? <laughs> so, so for those of you wondering, it, it is the, the brand is Porsche, uh, but being in South Africa, we all say Porsche. So, I mean, I started off... For with Porsche, how, how I managed to get the contract with them is I was uh, I was waitering or like assisting on one of their big events that they had. It was like the the um, festival of motoring. And I was literally like <laughs> half a salesperson. I didn't I don't know anything about cars, but I was just assisting. I was a student, I was studying engineering, and I was assisting at this festival of motoring. And so we were there early hours in the morning until really, really late. So it was long days, it was like 14 hour days. And, you know, me being a photographer at the time, also like, like trying to take photographs, um, I had my camera there. And during one of the breaks, um, Toby Fenter, the CEO of the company, he's a racing car driver. Um, and he was racing around the track. And I managed to get a really, really cool photograph of him racing in, in, in his own personal car. And it was a photograph I was extremely proud of because it was the very first time I'd managed to get like a tracking shot with like the, the background like all out of blur, like yes. blurry and the, the wheels are blurry, but the car's like perfectly in focus. And it was, a, it was a photograph I was exceptionally proud of. And it was him in his, in his favorite car on Kailami at Festival of Motoring. It was like a really nice moment. So I thought, shit, I mean, just, I'm going to print this. Um, I'm going to get it framed and I'll, I'll just give it to him, you know, just because I think it's a really cool thing. Yeah. And I rocked up to the offices and I gave it to them and they're like, what, do you take photographs? And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm still studying, but I, photography is a really, really big passion of mine. I really love taking photographs and it's something I'm doing more and more of and I'm working for, you know, other people. And they're like, well, you know what, our, our end of year function is in two weeks time. Why don't you come take photographs? And I was like, cool, done, let's do it. And ever since that, that is how I got into photographing for Porsche. Porsche um, and it's literally because I had no expectation there was I just I reached out to them like you know I gave the CEO of Porsche a photograph of himself that I took something that I was exceptionally proud of but it takes that initiative to go out and and reach out it's not Porsche didn't come to me and be like oh we love your photographs can you come and shoot for us that that never happened it was a it was a very simple act of reaching out with no expectation I didn't expect to shoot for Porsche 
um, and that's that's where it comes to. So I think that's for for a lot of people listening right now. If, if you're getting into some creative industry, I think you need to understand that it takes five, six years of shooting whatever it is to hone your craft, and then as well to reach out to the brands that you want to do. I remember chatting to I don't know if if you remember him, Gareth Pun. He was like yes. OG oh, Instagrammer, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, he he was really really well known back in South Africa. He's moved to the states since where he was shooting for a lot of big brands. And mm-hmm. I remember having this conversation with him as well. He's like, yeah, he spends eight hours in his day just reaching out to brands. Wow. Brands don't talk to him. Yeah, he's he's the one reaching out to chat to brands and being like, hey. Let's do work together. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, just listening to your story that you just told us, there's two points I want to touch on there. Number one, you were working, waitering or doing sales and so on, doing a 12 to 14 hour day job. But you took your camera with and during your spare time or when you had free time during that event, you went out and you're taking photos. Whereas another person would have been sitting on their phone, browsing through Instagram, doing whatever, resting. So that's one, that's number one, that what I realized. If you're going to make this work, it's not going to work by itself. Yeah. Like you're not going to sit around and some guy's going to come to you and, oh, wow, I've just got the sense of your aura. You must be a really great <laughs> photographer. You know, here's a million bucks for the next three years. Yeah. You know, so you went out there and you did something. And like you said, you didn't expect anything. You were actually just snapping, practicing whilst you had the time. And you, you snapped this great photo. And out of your own time, money, effort, you went out, you printed something, and you went and delivered it to them. And then secondly, when they offered you to go and take photos of their year in function, you weren't also like, oh, now all of a sudden it's Porsche, this big brand, they must have a lot of money and a big budget. Let me throw out this massive number and just like try and milk them for what I can for one day of success. So that is another thing where so many people are trying to get rich quick Mm. overnight. And it's not like that. And I see so many people like that. A lot of companies do that as well. You know, restaurants, businesses everywhere where they're charging like 35 rand for a can of Coke. And then they're out of business in a year because people go there and they order a, a glass of water rather and then they'll order the cheapest meal. Because at the end of the day, they can't justify paying for that. But you, as a person, you saw the benefit of just going and photographing that year in function. And now, however long down the line now, you're literally shooting consistently for them. And off air, we were actually talking about that where you've got this consistent income from them purely because you deliver what they need. And they're not going to go out and look for somebody else because you're literally bringing what they need to the table. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting when you look at it that way because so many people just assume that everything's going to come your way. Yeah. And the same as me. You know, I've built this well-established brand online and I tell so many people, my popular account doesn't make me a lot of money. It really doesn't. It's all glamorous and, you know, everybody knows Carl or this or that and, you know, things like that. But I have built business and I have booked a lot of business through being well-known like that because somebody thinks of me. And, and that's what I want to touch on right now is there's a certain perception or, or maybe it's just a, an aura. I think, you, you know, you've, you've got this aura <laughs> around you. But there's a, there's a certain thing to be said about out of sight, out of mind. Yes. So if you're posting photographs every single day, say for instance on your Facebook accounts, on your Instagram accounts, your friends and family see it, their friends and family see it, they share it, that kind of thing. If you're posting every single day 
and someone's like, hmm, I need a photographer for this event, and they've just seen your photograph on Instagram, they're going to be like, oh, wait, I've just seen Carl's photograph. He's great. Let me contact Carl to do my shoot. If you're not consistently putting your work out into the world, how do you ever expect anybody to find you or your work and to contact you to do work? Definitely. And the funny thing is, you know, there are so many photographers within our industry. They're my friends as well. And they literally, they post once every four months or something. It's crazy. And I understand that, you know, quality over quantity and things like that. But there's a difference when it comes down to social media. And exactly like you said, rather be there. Rather have people noticing you the entire time. There are literally photographers who are, when we, you spoke earlier about the expos and so on, that's practically our networking and when we go through and we get to actually see people and meet up again. And there are so many people who rock up and I'm like, oh, you're still photographing? I thought you ended up doing something else. So you moved out of the country because they've been so quiet. I, as a person that is in the industry, I, I just forgot about them. And that's a scary thing. I, I briefly mentioned the, the talk I attended of yours literally four years ago. And one of the things that sticks with me to this day, it's something I think about on a weekly basis, is if you think about Coca-Cola, like you, go, you can go to any country in the whole wide world and you can ask for a Coke and they'll know what you're talking about. Yes. And if you think about the last TV advert that you saw on TV, it's probably also a Coke advert. Like yeah. how much marketing are they doing? They're the most well-known company in the whole wide world and yet they're still spending so much time and money and effort putting out marketing. Yeah. Now, what makes you think... And, and I'm, I'm not speaking to I'm not talking about you. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking <laughs> to the general public of, of creatives. What makes you think that you are so special that people are just going to know about you without doing the the, the, the hard legwork of actually marketing yourself, yeah. putting yourself out there, making it known to the whole entire world that you are a photographer that you're taking photographs? Yeah, I mean, I think it was two years ago when I was so 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 interested in marketing and facebook ad ads and so on i literally read something where coca-cola has a one billion dollar a year marketing budget and that's absolutely mad um if we walk into a a cafe right now a cafe or a spa or something we know we want a coke if you want a coke you want a coke they don't, i don't need to see the the forty-five thousand rand advert on the side of the exactly. highway or something that they're paying every single month i know who's coke but they're still there. They're getting in your face. And it's true. It's like, why do you think that you can start up this business and just run for the next five to 10 years successfully without doing any of the work? It, it just doesn't make sense. Um, I remember, so, so Ed Fenter is someone who's in the industry um, that we both know quite well. And he's been a strong, a strong, strong, strong advocator for, for marketing. And he'll, he will tell you outright that the times in the last five or 10 years that he hasn't seen success is when he wasn't proactively marketing. And he's yeah. probably one of the, the most well-known photographers in our industry. And if he's saying that the times when he wasn't doing well was when he wasn't marketing as well, then how can you expect as someone who's new six months in the industry to not be marketing um, to make any kind of success from this this kind of industry? And it doesn't. it's not just for photographers. I think it goes for musicians and designers and, and what else, whatever else it is that you consider yourself to be doing as a creative. Um, so, yeah. Yourself, Kyle, if you could go back to first-year full-time photographer, Kyle, is there something you would be doing differently now? Spending less money on gear. <laughs> 
I think that's the one thing that we all can agree with. It's you always have this idea that you, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to be better or I need to get this and you start justifying why you need to purchase things. And I think if you start honing in on your craft and getting better at what you can do with what you have, I'm not saying you don't need to get equipment. I'm just saying you don't need to go and buy the ring light for your vlogging right now or this or that, you know. So there are certain things where it can just hold off because it's not going to bring you in more business or your audience isn't going to go, oh, my word, he's using a ring light now and not a normal LED light. You know, um, if I'd spent more money in the first year, I think I'd be tenfold where I am today. I think I like to, I like to compare marketing with like a retirement fund. You know, the older you get, the more you have to put in if you start later. It's the same with marketing. If you start then and you just start marketing, more people are seeing your things and more people are sharing and spreading the word and the brand and everything and it just starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think for me, if I could have spent more time in marketing, I think that alone just would have helped so much more. I don't know if you get asked this question. I'm sure you do. I I frequently at weddings or events that I'm photographing, I'll get you know, Tani Sunny that comes to me and she'll be like, you know, her daughter is now matric. She really wants to become a photographer. Where should she go study? What should she be studying? Um, you know, what photography courses should she be doing? And, and my answer to them always is don't go study photography. Mm-hmm. I, never, I never studied photography. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a qualified engineer. Yet here I am busy taking photographs. You can learn photography by doing and you can learn photography by YouTube tutorials and you can, there's so many different ways to learn photography. Yeah. And I guess this is also like a little bit of the input of what I'm trying to achieve with this podcast is go and study business. As you've just said, like go spend more time doing marketing, yes. that kind of thing. Go, go learn how to present yourself to people so that you're able to actually sell yourself. When I, when I went into photography full time almost four years ago now, I very quickly realized that a good photograph doesn't sell, but you sell yourself and it's and it's the guys who were able to 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 be really really good at business who were doing really well not the guys who were taking the most breathtaking photographs um i don't know i'm sure you feel the same way absolutely um i mean that goes back to now earlier when i said that i'm not taking the best photos i'm just you know i'm really good with either negotiations or closing the deal and i agree 100 percent. don't go and study photography like that is easy. There are hundreds and thousands of hours on YouTube and online that you can literally learn how to take a photo. Of course, you have to get better in terms of composition and things like that. But go out and either do marketing courses or business courses where you're learning how to negotiate with people, how to read body language and, you know, how to close the deal in a way that both people feel like they're winning. You know, so many people, some guys are amazing at taking photos. They suck at business. You know, they sit in front of the person and they're an introvert or they, they can't connect with the person and, you know, it's, there's just no chemistry. So there is so much more than just taking photos in this industry and any industry that we're talking about. Whether you're a music, musician or, you know, you're a yoga instructor or a fitness instructor, whatever. If you're running your own business and you don't know how to communicate with people, you don't know how to market, you don't know how to you know, create a a demand for what you're offering, then there's a massive, massive problem. Something stuck with me now is that you you mentioned, you know, if you're introverted. And and I don't think what you're saying is that you have to be an extroverted person to to be good at business. Because I think 
there's so many different personalities that you can create for yourself. It's, it's acting, you know. If, so, for instance, someone like myself, I actually think I'm quite introverted. But people who meet me in the public or see me at a photography job will tell you I'm the most extroverted person on earth. And that's, and that's like a little act that you, you put on. Yeah. I'm, I'm not lying to anyone. I'm just trying to be a little bit more out there so that I'm... I'm dealing with you in a little bit um, better fashion. I'm, I'm tr- trying to communicate a little bit better. And as you say, you can't, you can't do that as an introverted person who's just sitting behind the book and not saying a word or looking at anyone or speaking, saying anything to anyone. Yeah. So you don't, you don't have to be an extroverted person to be good at business. Yes. You, you just need to be able to change your personality for a couple of minutes Definitely. to be able to do that. Yeah, 100%. I think, I mean, reading a couple books alone will just help you with that in terms of, you know, meetings, negotiations, sales, closing, um, ABC, always be closing, you know, like just always make sure that you're getting the sale at the end of the day. And of course, yes, if you're an introvert, you're an introvert, but there are ways to learn. You don't need to now all of a sudden become the clown of the room when you walk into the room, you know, but to hold people's attention, to make sure that people notice you, that's very important. And that's once again, there's so much more to any industry than what you're actually doing in order to make that money. So, Carl, when you get someone who inquires with you, whether that's a model or whether that's a wedding couple, what's, what's the first thing you say to someone? They say like, hey, Carl, we really love your work. Um, we want to book you for XYZ job. What's the first thing that you do? Do you send out a, a mail? Do you call them? What, what do you do first? I think it all depends on the initial mail. Um, you know, sometimes you'll get a- amazing emails where somebody says, I've been following you for a while. I love your work. I'm finally engaged. I'd love to book you for our wedding. Please send us your rates. I know that the, the, the pricing right now isn't the, the main deal breaker. So there I'll be like, hey, you know, I'll introduce myself. I'll say, thank you so much. You probably know who I am by now. Um, I'll send them my rates or my package collections. And I'll say, let's meet for a coffee. I always push for a coffee. Because if I get you in front of me, it's game over. Like nine out of 10 times, if I've had a coffee with somebody, it's a book deal. So also I know they're serious then. Once they've seen my packages and they're willing to meet me for a coffee, the pricing isn't a problem. If somebody sends a, a simple email Hi, we're getting married this date. Please send your rates. There's a chance that they're doing price shopping. And right now, your price isn't going to... It's it's not really the deal breaker either because at the end of the day, they're going to look at two pricings. And I might be 20,000 Rand for a package and somebody else might be 19 and they might have a budget of 22. They might have a budget of 16 and that person's 17 and I'm 19. It doesn't matter. Getting them on the phone and just finding out what exactly they need and trying to get their coffee dates again is very important to me. Because when somebody asks for rates like that, I understand that they don't understand what they're actually looking for. A wedding is very important. The wedding industry I'm talking about now, anyways, different you know, commercial shoots, it's a different story. Um, but for weddings in general, I want to make sure that they understand how important it is getting a professional photographer who you're not just literally booking a person because of their price they need to understand that they're paying for the experience behind what i'm offering and that's very important too because at the end of the day i've been in the industry for a long time i know how to deal with situations if something goes wrong and i'm providing the best top quality service for that bang of the price whereas if they now settle for somebody with just a thousand rand less but this person hires the cheapest second photographer who assists them for the day they only have one camera body if that camera body you know somehow freezes or something there's no other camera 
So they need to understand why they're paying for that price. So that to me is very important to get the person on the phone, make sure that they understand what exactly why my prices are what they are. So would you do this? Um, we, you've obviously put this into context with of, of of wedding photography. Do you do this with your your models and your corporate clients as well, or is that slightly different? It's it's very different. Um, for the model industry or any type of portraiture, um, I generally just set my rates because there is such a huge. It's such a oversaturated market that people are not fussy in terms of getting their photos. You know, it's it's not a once-in-a-lifetime deal. Um, if I'm charging 2,000 Rand for 10 edited images for a portrait shoot and somebody else is charging 1,000 Rand, chances are they're going to go for that person. If that guy's work is anyway slightly near as good as mine, they're going to book him. So for me, I don't spend that much time in that because once again, I've built this, this brand with my Instagram where if I'm getting 10, 15 DMs a week or a day, I don't have the time to spend on every single person trying to push them in the direction just to make 2,000 Rand. It's not worth the time. So for me, I'll send the rates. If they get back to me and it's anything other than I'll let you know, then I'll put more effort into it. I'll give them my WhatsApp number or I'll contact them and I'll phone them. I'll find out what exactly they want. Um, commercial, corporate work as well. It, it depends, I guess, on once again, that first off email. If a high-end brand contacts me and they say, we'd like to work with you, please give us a quote on this, I'll send them a quote um, and then I'll give them a phone call. I'll say, hey, I've sent you a quote. Let me know what you think. Is there something we can tweak? Is it within your budget? What exactly do you need? So that then obviously I can maybe change the price a little bit. With photography, and I mean, this is sort of what we're busy discussing, um, there's this perception always, you know, when, when people find out you're a photographer and they're like, oh, do you shoot weddings? Because, you know, that's where the money's at. Yes. Do, you, do you feel that way? Do you feel that wedding photography is the be all and end all in terms of making money as a photographer? Or, or are there other better ways to be making money as a photographer in 2020? I think there's so many, it's, it's so broad. I mean, in 2020, your options are unlimited. Um, I mean, shooting commercial shoots, if you shoot for a, just a brand like BMW or something, if you can get a contract where you're shooting four content created videos a month, that's literally, I mean, you could be charging anywhere from five to 10 grand per content. So you could be making 40,000 rand off that and you're, you're, you're just filming four days a month. Whereas a wedding, if you're charging 20,000 rand, that's a good kind of package. Like you well established there. Not everybody's charging that. So for you to make 40 grand in the wedding industry, you have to then book two weddings for that price. And then it's a lot of work. It's the pre-meetings. It's paying for your second shooter. It's the album design, everything like that. So there is a lot of ways that you can make money better than weddings. Weddings every, the, weddings are, are have been put onto this, this massive high pedestal in terms of, oh, you must be making a lot of money because weddings are expensive. But people don't understand how much you actually spend or your expenses are within a wedding. I mean, for my first top package, I'm probably spending 9,000 Rand on my expenses. Mm. You know, when it comes down to paying a professional second shooter, you've done the engagement shoot, you've done your, your albums. So although you see it as, okay, you're making 20,000 Rand. No, no, no. You're making 9,000 Rand maybe. That's your profit. Now, if you shoot two of those, that's 18,000 Rand. That's, that's a 24,000 Rand salary before tax. So you're not making as much as everybody thinks because everyone says, oh, you've you shot two weddings, you made 40 grand this month, awesome. It's not like that. So I think for me, that's why also I went into the video side of things 
Because although there's a lot of people doing video, there's not a lot of people who are creating really good content mm -hmm. through video. And it's a very tricky, very, very tricky industry with regards to video. I think we're, we're, we're starting to wrap um, and I, I want to start touching on a little bit more of your, your, how your day-to-days look like. Because we, we were actually off air just before we started, we were busy chatting about um, sort of the life of a photographer. And I know for you coming from a, a full-time stable job as a, as a designer and obviously not going into, into the creative field of a photographer and freelancer and that kind of thing, it's, it's two very different realms. Now, I never, I never full-time practiced as, a, as an engineer. I went basically from full-time student to full-time photographer um, with a little bit of work in between. I made that decision because I didn't want to have to rely on a, on a salary and then, you know, go full-time photography and all of a sudden I don't have that kind of thing. What does your day-to-day -day look like? Do you wake up in the morning and make coffee? What, what is, what is the, the routine of Kyle for now and how much of a stress is freelance life? Freelance life is about 105% stress. Like 105% <laughs> Kyle is just stress. <laughs> yeah, I'm just stressed. This, this face, I've learned, this poker face. This is just poker face. I'm right now thinking how much work I could be doing. But in, in general, I think you either have it or you don't, man. Like That's one thing that I want everybody who wants to go full-time or freelance for themselves and have their own time. You need to be built for it. You need to have that rhino skin because... So many times it's very stressful. Um, for myself, I wake up every morning. I wake up between anywhere from 6.30 to 7.30. If I wake up at 8 o'clock, I've considered I've overslept. Like I, I've heard a lot of people, they wake up at 9 o'clock and then they, you know, they do the things and so on. I can't. I feel like you have to be up early. Otherwise, you miss the entire day. So for me, I wake up anywhere from 6.30, 7.30. And I generally, this is something that I like. This is the one thing I like to brag about is I wake up when I'm done sleeping. Like my, my phone doesn't tell me when to wake up, but it's almost like the internal clock now that between 6.30, 7.30, I'll be awake. From that, I'll head through to the computer, I'll switch it on, let it run, start up. I'll have either coffee or I'll have my, my beautiful Pro-Neutro. Uh, I've, I've like become addicted to that stuff. I don't know why. So I'll have that. I'll go through my emails, admin, and then I'll start working. Um, generally, I, I work, I don't know if you've ever, um, there's a book called Eat the Frog First. And it's, it's, a, it's a very, very awesome book. If you're a freelancer or somebody who has to do multiple jobs, it's a really good book. The analogy behind Eat the Frog First is do the shitty stuff first, mm. the big stuff, the stuff that you're going to literally constantly be thinking about the whole time. So you might have four different projects, but there's one major one that's essential right now and somebody's going to be crapping on your head because it's not done. Get that done first. So I generally try and prioritize like that. What is the most important or what is the closest to the deadline? Have that done. Um, the hardest part for a freelance, I think, and this is something that clients don't understand is, you know, you're juggling between your editing, your, your lifestyle. So if you do gym, you do running, anything like that, uh, your meetings, uh, going and doing errands. So for example, if you, you're running errands, you have to go and collect albums, books, any sort of stationery. As soon as you step away from the computer, your workload stops. So if you have to go and do something for an entire day, you've done nothing for the entire day. And that's something where you have to literally start learning to juggle your time. So for me, wake up, coffee, breakfast, edit, um, and then do a couple podcasts, with, you know, like I couldn't say no to this. So I'm like, oh, damn, there goes the workload. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, 
the, the great thing about freelance though, I think you can agree is the time freedom. Mm. You get to do what you want. Like I would be here now. If I spend two hours here, it's cool. If I spend four hours here, it's cool. I'll go home tonight and I'll work until 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Because as long as you have that mindset that you're willing to work when you need to work, then it's fine. You, we, we spoke off air before this started. You were asking me, would I ever go back to a, a full-time job? And my answer was no, because I, I, like, the, I like the lifestyle that I have right now. Um, and that's not to say that I, I sit on my couch and do nothing all day long and, and get paid to do that. That's not, that's not true at all. But as you've just explained, you have the time flexibility. You can meet for coffee at 10 o'clock in the morning with mm. someone and have a podcast and... You know, I at the end of last year, I had a lot of family things that were taking place. And if I was working a full-time job, I wouldn't have been able to be there for my family to do the things that I needed to do. And I think that's a, that's a valuable lesson as well. Like, yes, maybe I'm not, as, I'm not earning as much as a, as a full-time engineer would be at this stage in the game. But I think I have a lot more time flexibility as a freelancer than, than that such a person would have. Um, would you say that photography has and, and the freelance lifestyle has afforded you a lot of different opportunities have you been able to do a lot of things that you you don't think you would have done otherwise absolutely um i mean for anybody who follows me will know i love to travel and the great thing about being a freelance or working for yourself is the idea that you can travel during the middle of the year when the prices are actually normal and not skyrocketed like 200 300 percent so for me that is one of the things that i've always like aimed to do like travel at least internationally once a year and it's really important to me that's something for me so where everybody else is spending their money on an rs3 or something like that for me it's seen a different country every single year at least one and yeah, definitely. I mean, the opportunities that have come away just because I'm able to do whatever I want when I want, it's, it's a massive difference compared to being, you know, confined to that 8 to 5, Monday to Friday, sometimes even Saturdays, some people. And f also, just to touch bases whilst we're on this topic, a lot of people want to make a lot of money and a lot of people want free time. There's a huge difference. There's, there's very seldom, and if you're in that, that small little group that has a lot of time and makes a lot of money, you're very privileged. But for a lot of people that don't understand, we're so happy with what we have. We're content with the idea of, yes, we might not make 85,000 Rand a month, but we get to do what we want to do mm. when we want to do it. You know, if, if the girlfriend or the wife or sister is sick, we can stay home and we can look after them. We can literally like put everything else aside and we can focus, like you said, on the family or the friends. And when you want to do something, you can do it. And sometimes that is so much more worth not having that kind of money that other people have. So many people have so much money, but they're depressed because they're reporting to somebody who doesn't respect them. They don't have the time to do whatever they want. That's why they spend the money on the cars because they're spending two hours every single morning in traffic. That's the only place they can spend their money. Whereas for us, we can go out and have, you know, five cups of coffee and talk rubbish for two hours with somebody. And that to us is awesome. Mm -hmm. Instead of having a car that goes north to 103 seconds. So every single person has a different analogy of what's great in life and their perception. For us, and that's something I'd like people to understand, is that although we classify ourselves as successful, we're not wealthy. We're wealthy in time. Um, we do really good with business. But we, we don't have three cars and four homes and things like that. But we're content with it. And that's important to anybody who wants to go into this direction. We, when we 
when I, when I was on your podcast a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were, cha- we were chatting about chasing happiness. And, and I think that's, that's the important thing is everybody's built differently. You said it just now. Everybody is built differently. A freelancer is built differently to someone who is chasing a nine to five, who's chasing that nine to the, the, the corporate ladder, climbing the corporate ladder. You need to discover for yourself what is important to you and what makes you happy. Um, I, I knew for myself that being in an office job, nine to five, working away at someone else's dream wasn't, wasn't necessarily going to be for me. And the photography thing has, in my mind, just opened up a lot of doors for my own personal freedom and, and happiness. I've been able to, as you say, I'm, I'm also big into, into traveling and that kind of thing. So I've been able to travel and do the different things I wanted to do at the most inopportune opportune times because I just, I could, you know. For instance, I went to South Korea in February to go visit my brother who lives there and, and to go check out the, the um, Winter Olympics. And I wouldn't have been able to do that kind of thing if I was working a normal nine-to-five. And, and again, I think people need to really understand that we're not, we're not wealthy, we're not well-off, we're not bowling, we don't have yeah. six different Lamborghinis chilling in the garage. But we do have the time flexibility and the happiness and the, and the self-awareness, I think, to, to realize what makes us happy and what we can do and what we can't do. Yes, there's certain parts of the aspect of, of our jobs and our lives that, that are not great. Like, you know, I'm sure you don't enjoy doing admin as much as I don't enjoy doing admin. And there's, there's nights when I'm working a big campaign for a client and we'll finish off at 8 o'clock that night and they want something by 6 o'clock the next morning. You work through the night. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of thing that you, you still have to do. You still have to graft. You still have to work hard. You still have to put in the hours and the efforts and all those kinds of things. And it's not like a job, you know, if, for instance, on a wedding day, if you're sick, you can't just call into your boss that day and say, hey, I'm sick. I'm not coming into work that day. It's a wedding client. Yeah. So they're expecting you to be there. You're capturing their big day. You, you kind of have, you have to rock up. You, you take the pain pills, you suck it up and you do the job. Yeah. Um, so I think people also need a, there's a guy walking with a corona mask that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so it starts <laughs> sorry for, for the people who are listening to the audio version of this we are sitting in a, in a mall and uh, the coronavirus is, is rife out there um, but yeah I think, it's, I think it's really important for people to understand that everything is a trade off you, you said it just now that the people who are making a, a crap ton of money and not spending a lot of time doing it are in the 0.001% of people doing it, like, like making a living for themselves. Yeah. For the rest of us, you're either, you're either working flipping knee deep in the trenches and working 10 hours, 12 hours a day to make money, or you just don't have a lot of money and you're just doing one hour a day. And that's fine too. It, it comes down to the self-awareness of, of understanding who you want to be and how you want to be and, and what makes you happy. Yeah. I think literally the last word that you used there was happy. And that's very important. It doesn't matter. If you work, if you work 12 hours a day for a boss and you're happy, cool. Yeah. You know, then it's great. I mean, like if you can be in a really great environment, make a good amount of money and you don't have time for anybody, but that's what you want to do, cool. You know, if you do that for a couple of years, you're probably going to, you know, settle off with a really good house and everything like that. So, yeah, I think also, you know, people need to understand that we're not saying that because you've been in it for four years, I've been in it for six years, it's going to take that long. I've seen people who fall with their asses in the butter. Within 12 months, they've landed some of the biggest clients because it's who they knew and their photos were good enough. And the, the idea, though, is you have to have that mentality that this might not kick off for the next five years. 
And I think for so many people, don't get into it for the wrong reasons. Don't abuse the system and think, okay, well, you know, I can wake up at nine o'clock, I can watch TV and then edit the photos for two hours and then go back to sleep, have an afternoon nap and then go photograph chicks in bikinis or, you know, take photos of three million rand cars and they're going to just somehow my invoices are going to be paid. It doesn't work like that. Mm. I think I think people, specifically, we're, we're both photographers, so we've been referencing referencing a lot of photographic examples. And I asked you just now about, you know, which industry to make money in and that kind of thing. I think you do need to realize that there are different ways of making money. And this is maybe photographing pretty girls on the beach is not the best way to do that. But if that if that's what makes you happy and you can live off of a, a thousand rand that someone might pay you once a month, then that's great. And you, if you're happy doing it, then that's even better. But I think for some of us, we, we do need to put in other work for things that we don't necessarily enjoy, the more boring work. We were chatting about it all fair about what I do on my Mondays. Um, and it's not the most glamorous of work. I, and I'm, you, you kind of need to put in the work that you don't want to do to make the money you want to do so that you can live the life you want to do. But at the same time, I'm enjoying that a lot more than what I would be doing if I was working a nine to five. Yeah. Um, so, Carl, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with one or two more questions before we wrap up. Um, if you if you were to have a, and I'm stealing this one from from Tim Ferriss. I'm, I'm a big Tim Ferriss. For those of you who know me, I'm a big t- big Tim Ferriss fan. If you had a billboard, maybe on the N1, or if you could get a message out to the entire world. Um, what what would what would you put on that billboard? What what would that message say? Is it allowed to have photos and yeah yeah text yeah, yeah anything? absolutely anything. anything? What what goes on this billboard for billions of people to see, Carl? Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah, it's like a Johnny Walker ad. Yeah, that's it. Keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> I think for so many, I think they're so paralyzed by the idea of doing something that they don't move, and you know, there's that saying. You can rest, just don't quit. And I think, yeah, just keep moving. I think that would be something that I'd say. Because keep moving will mean something different to every single person depending on what they're going through in their life. So, yeah, there's my billboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's an expensive billboard for two words. <laughs> I thought you would have put your, your Instagram handle up there, Carl. Just well, it like would be <laughs> underneath the keep moving. <laughs> oh, man, that's the best. Um, what is your what is your favorite failure in the last six years of being a photographer? Um, I think one of my my favorite failures, something that excites me every time is when somebody says no. I love the word no. And that's something also that if you're going to get into an industry where you're freelancing and doing something for yourself, you definitely have to accept the idea that you're going to get a lot of no's. Um, but for me, my... <laughs> I, th- I would have to go with something where it, it came down to somebody saying no and somebody else taking the opportunity and giving me the chance and being able to do it and then they missed out on that opportunity. Definitely. Okay, Carl. Um, yeah, thank you very much for the, for the last minute chats. I don't know if you've got any questions for me uh, that you would like to know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Throw you a curveball, yeah. If you had a billboard under the sea, what would it say? Under the sea? <laughs> It would it would be something about um, what's that chick Ariel Muriel yeah. from 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 the Little <laughs> Mermaid. Um, cool. So I've got one last I've got one last question for you, and this is and this is more to help me for for my further podcasts um, for the future because you are you are you are number one. Carl. I'm number, number one. one. Um, how do you ask better questions? 
How do I ask better questions? Yeah. How, what advice can you give me to ask better questions? I'd ask a better question than that. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> um, I, I like the way you ask questions, dude. Um, how do I ask better questions? I think just ask more relevant questions. <laughs> Not saying that these were irrelevant. <laughs> I'm just saying ask relevant questions in terms of the people's. I think it was so easy today for you to be asking me any type of any sort of question is because we're in the same industry. So you understand the pet peeves. You understand what we go through and so on. Um, but yeah, I, I love the idea of how you're asking certain questions to get to certain topics. Um, looking forward to who else jumps on, onto your podcast. Thanks, Ben. Thank you very much, Carl. So yeah, that was that was the first episode of uh, Creatives on Business. Um, for everyone who's been watching and who's been listening, thank you very much. Uh, tune in for the next one, Carl. Thank you very much. Uh, where you. can people find you on the interwebs? How can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at Carl with three Fs because the two were taken. Um, Facebook as well, Carl van Escape. I do have a fan page on there that I've recently started growing as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can drop a message in my DMs or anything like that. I'm, I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook. So if you have any questions, you can definitely get in contact. And you also, you also have your own podcast, thank huh? I do have my own podcast, but we're not going to shamelessly do that on here. <laughs> <laughs> cross advertising oh, right. <laughs> alright well thank you Carl thank you very much for stepping into the show I really appreciate it and yeah until next time guys cheers. appreciate it cheers